are now listening to Certain Instincts Games Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything can. Now, this podcast is on the characters of those that are eating and above and may not be safe for work, as we like to say, NSF. But remember, you can always listen to us during your private time. Hello, kinky and kinkiest folk out there. My name is Sir Inc. And on this podcast, I promised you guys, because I missed the live on Thursday night, that I would give you guys a little something uh, in that aspect. So here it goes. And I, what I'm doing is I'm uh, going to react and respond to some of the questions that were asked of me through uh, the page through several followers followers so here we go so the first question is what is the very first piece of advice you would give to someone who is brand new to bdsm both dominance and submissive well, I know I've talked about this a lot and specifically to each one on other podcasts, but just the updated version, the July 2023 version is to take your time, take your time, uh, explore yourself in general to both dominance and submissives, you know, explore yourself. Remember, it's a journey about yourself. Uh, even if you don't have a playmate, you can still develop yourself in many ways. Uh, that's where advice, mentorship, and guidance and research will have you in. This should always be a research phase and a development phase in your self and in your relationships. And do not judge yourself off of someone else's experience or success in the lifestyle when people come in sometimes they're like well i am submissive i would like to know more about kink but i'm not into being tied up and having needles put through my skin level and it's like no 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 you know do not judge yourself and where your starting point is or where you are in the journey to someone who's been in the lifestyle for over half their life so don't put that on you you know don't put that on yourself rather so i would that's what i would say and specifically the dominance dominance is understanding that line between domineering and dominance knowing how to delve out your punishments uh making your expectations real and when i say real Make your expectations not necessarily based on exactly what you want and only what you want, but understanding your submissive and her capabilities and her limitations and based and basing your expectations on that. But also be clear with what your expectations are there, whereas though if they feel like they can't really meet that or something that goes beyond where they where they want to go then they can express that and that's fair and the same for submissives is understanding yourself understanding what you want know that you have a voice at all times you have a voice you can ask for you know ask for a review on things uh 
and you have input. And in any situation that you do not, even though you're handing certain power and responsibility over to your dominant, you still have a voice, you still have a choice. And if you don't, then you might have to reassess the situation that you're in. And are you in a relationship with an abuser? And at the same time, understand what your expectations are on your dominant. Now, if you're just getting into the lifestyle and you pulled your do- and you pulled your man in and he's going to be your dominant and he's not as knowledgeable, well, your expectations can't be that of a seasoned vet. So just got to understand where you are completely. Understand that the, that the lifestyle is about yourself first. And then others, and you can always practice on your skills, on your personality, and sessions and things that add your toy collection. You can always build those things as you go. But no one has to have everything all at once. Okay, so the next question is, what would you say are your top five most important questions a dominant should ask? when considering a submissive and vice versa. So the number one thing I would ask is her experience. I would want to know what's her experience in a lifestyle. Um, if she's a newbie, if she, um, you know, has, you know, years experience in, and the reason being, you know, where you, you know, where you can start with that. Like if you have a newbie, then, you know, you're going to have to start from the ground up. You're going to have to maybe introduce her to some information on, you know, how the lifestyle started. Maybe you start all the way down with Marquise the side and then work your way up to, you know, like the, um, you know, like the leather houses and, you know, all the things that the LGBT community and King community have dealt with over the years. And, you know, also the understanding that out of a hundred, uh, almost out of 100% of the population, only like 5% really practice the the lifestyle. So, and letting them understand how all that intertwines together. Uh, I think that would be the most important part. Uh, then also the type of sub she is. After you get through all that, or if you meet somebody experience, you want to know what type of sub they are. Because... If they're a, let's say, if they're a little and you're not a, uh, and you're a master, I don't know, maybe those two, maybe the kind of master you are and the kind of little she is that may not match. Uh, You know, maybe she's a brat and you're a sir. Maybe that doesn't match, but a brat and a daddy dime or a little and a daddy dime may have more in common. So it's about commonality. So I would ask what type of sub they are or help them develop or find themselves, help them find out who they are. Uh, that would be the responsibility of a, a good dominant. Uh, her limits. You want to know what her limits are. Uh, if she's a newbie, you want to know, okay, like what things about you, what things about the lifestyle scare the shit out of you and what things about the lifestyle intrigue you and what things are the lifestyle that you absolutely want to experience. So I think that would be uh, a good one, like knowing people's limits. And once you know the limits, uh, the boundaries, then you know where you have some wiggle room. 
you know, you know, uh, she may not be into, let's say the submissive may not be into, um, uh, needle play. I always bring up needle play. Uh, maybe they're not into needle play, but maybe they're not against knife play. You know, uh, maybe they're just like, look, we could do whatever, but I don't want to see any blood. I don't want no cuts. Okay, cool. Then you have some people who like, um, a little more intrusive play. They like a little bit more um, deep bruising with impact and and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's to find those limitations, you know, and knowing where the gray areas that you can maybe push some boundaries or the ones that you know is hard news. And uh, I will also say fourth would be her aspirations of a sub, her aspirations as a sub, like what does she aspire to be as a submissive? Where does she see her submission going? Like some people's aspiration is to be an owned collared slave. Some is to be a collared submissive, period. And some would be maybe branding, being branded and owned and having a serial number as the slave. And um, and others may just be, you know, I just want to explore the deeper aspects of my own submission uh, without all those other things. So, you, you know, you would want to know where her aspirations are. What's the submiss- What is the submissive's aspirations? That's what I would want to know. For sure, because I want to make sure that I'm the guy, I'm the guide that can help get her to where she wants to go. And maybe in the moment I'm not, but maybe I can develop myself in a way that helps her get there. So, you know, iron iron sharpens iron. And lastly, I would want to know her past traumas. Uh, I would want to know, is there any trauma in her life? Like I told you guys before in a podcast about my first submissive, Nikki, she had past trauma and she liked, you know, consent, not consent play. And, you know, that helped her deal with some of the past trauma with allowing her to take control over the situation by consenting to it. But, uh, so, yes, I would want to know what kind of traumas they have had in the past. And, you know, how does that play out in the dynamic? How does that play into them being submiss- submissive? And how can I help her through that? You know, deal with it. Find a way to reckon with it if she hasn't done so already. So those would be my my five. And when it comes to what I think a submissive should ask, I would I always refer uh new newbies to the book Sixty Two Questions for a Dominant by Michael Mackay, which he is a uh some will say he's a very flawed author and practitioner of BDSM, but his writings uh, his books are very informative and on point. Uh, 
like he I'm not trying to put him in the same vein, but like just like singers who have you know transgressions like R. Kelly, for example, you know, he has made great music, but he's a flawed man in many ways. As we all have flaws, but he has you know, perverted flaws that deal with younger women. And so Mr. Mackay, I don't know all the details of his situation, has had some situation of transporting an underage woman across state lines or something like that. Um, so I say all that to say that his, his, you know, don't judge his writings by his actions per se. Just read the information for the information. Uh, the Marquise de Sade was not a, <laughs> he was like, he had some horrible shit. He was a genius in one aspect, but he had some horrible shit with him. So, you know, we don't bring up a lot of his uh, wickedness. So we, we try not to judge it. I try not to judge it like that. I just want to read the information as well as if I, if I listen to an R. Kelly song, I don't want to think about, you know, my opinion of his actions outside of his music at any rate so that that's what i would suggest go get 62 questions for uh for your dominant uh it's a very good read it's very it's very good to help you understand what you should expect in the responsibilities of a dominant and so the next question Slow and steady wins the race. So what would you say are some things or signs you look for when determining to take a vetting process or a relationship to the next step or level? So, yes, I, I believe in having patience. I believe in getting to know someone almost to the point of predictability only because you want to know who you're dealing with. You need to know how they will react in certain situations. You know, where I'm going to say we're all adults. But, you know, when you get a, at a certain point in your life where I'm at, I need to know exactly what you're going to do. Like, I don't have the luxury for random behavior. I don't have time for nonsensical conversations and stress so i need to know who you are because i need to put you in a in a in a role so we can both perform at an optimal level for whatever goals that we're trying to achieve i can't deal with someone that i can't predict that if i say do one two and three that they're going to do one and three and not two and the whole thing is messed up as well as they should expect the same from me I'm a man of my word. I'm very um, practical. I'm very, uh, not so much rigid, but I have a routine. Like my, my thing is set. And um, I try to honor deadlines. I definitely stay on my word. And so I don't have any randomness in my behavior when it comes to that. I love spontaneity, but not when it comes to having long-term goals and, and accomplishing them you don't really have life is already going to throw you curveballs you don't need to be a curveball within yourself to derail that but there are people out here in life that really like 
we is what we call can't get right. They just can't get right. They have a they have a way of destroying uh, or derailing agendas, and that's just the way some people are. It's is not. A, I don't really think it's personal to me as much as they just do not like to follow instructions. You know, and they have a they have a they have a rebellious spirit towards uh, anything that is structure. Even though they want to be in it, they like to like take it apart. As you build in it, they like to take it apart. And that's and that's and that deals with past trauma as well. So that's what I would uh so that's what I'm that's what I would say about vetting. That's what I would say about taking things to the next level. And the more I can trust you and the trust comes within predictability, in my opinion, a lot of it becomes a predictability. The more I trust you, the deeper levels we can get into. But if I don't trust you, if I can't predict what you would do, if I say, you know, hey, go to Target, you know, get some get some red bed sheets. You know, if I don't, you know, and I need you back within an hour, if you're going to come back in two hours with white sheets, if I don't think you, if I don't have the confidence that you can carry out simple tasks and stay on point, then, you know, then the trust isn't there. I'm not, we're going to be on a very top surface um, of, of our of our friendship, of our connection. We won't be able to delve deeper into deeper levels of anything like we we really can't get past friendship if i can't trust you so trust is big in both ways whether you be the submissive or you're the dominant like trust is in a dynamic period a lot of times when we speak of trust is always like the submissive trust and the dominant but honestly the trust goes both ways it goes both ways so when it comes to um so when it comes to determining and taking uh, a process or relationship to the next step um, it's very layered for me and you guys have heard me say you know I need to know you at least two years before I can really make any long-term decisions of where I think we can go with this you know and I mean and along that way I'm going to treat you great I'm not I'm gonna give you all the tools to be successful you know and, and and I say two years, but sometimes, you know, it 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 can take less than that to get to know somebody. When you really connect deep with someone, and it doesn't necessarily take two years. But I just say two years because you want to see a person through all the seasons. You want to see a person over a long span of time, a longer span of time, so you can see how they handling their life, how they handle their family, how they handle their business. And you don't always get that within the first few months, you know, because people aren't necessarily divulging to you um, everything that they are and their 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 flaws or, you know, their um, the stress points or, you know, where they fall short. Not everybody comes clean with that off the top. And I think we all know that. And so I just take my time with it. And I think time will flush out a lot of things that normally if you run in 
fast. When you're in there, you, you'll see it, and then you'll get frustrated with it, and you're trying to change someone. And, and I think that's bad to try to change someone. So, you know, to avoid that kind of situation, to be able to be, some, be in something with someone that you trust and not try to change them to make them what you want them to be, because by the time you change them, you may not like them. Um, I say take your time. So that's what that's what uh, my thing is. And also, I look for uh, cooperation, selflessness, confidence, and intelligence. And, you know, some people are stronger in one uh, aspect than the other. But, you know, and I, and I look also look for financially responsible. And so... Uh, these are things that I look for. These are like for me, build those are like five building blocks for me. Uh, the cooperation, the selflessness, the confidence, intelligence, and financially responsible. Those are like major building blocks to me far as relationships go. So that's what I have on that one. And the next question is polyamory. When do you suggest bringing up polyamory to someone you're considering dating, vetting? Have you thought of what your ideal polyamorous relationship would look like? So when it comes to polyamory, I'm I'm certainly in a polyamory. Um, however, I have not effectively had a polyamorous situation. So I've been more in open relationships, which I believe if you're single and you're dating, you're open to relating and dating multiple people. And so I've been more so on the side of open. Uh, poly is definitely something that I've considered, something that I definitely would like to gravitate toward, but it's not like something that I'm looking for or pursuing, those type of things have to happen. And you're trying to join uh, three or more people together, which can be challenging. So, you know, it's not a plug and play kind of situation. You know, you have to meet someone who is open to that. And then you have to meet someone else who is open to that. And at the same time, uh, maybe one of the partners are also wanting to bring in someone else. So now it becomes not just three people, but four people. So you have to just, when you walk through certain doors, you have to know how wide that door swings open. And it doesn't necessarily always go your way. You know, you have to compromise. Everyone is compromising in that situation. So you just have to be ready to negotiate and compromise. You have to try to find people who um, match together. And as I've said before in another podcast, um, polyamory traditionally, men don't just come home with a different woman like, hey, we're going to bring her into the fold. This is it. We got Here's another one. Um, she's going to be the second wife. Oh, I bought another one. She's the third wife. It normally takes place with a conversation between 
the man and the woman, the initial, the foundation of the polyamorous relationship with the man and a woman or whatever your dynamic is. And you're talking about taking on a second woman in this situation. So you talk to them, look, what do you think? You're open to it. Cool. Um, maybe she has a friend that'll be good for your dynamic. Right. And not always in polyamory are all three people sleeping together at one time, like literally sleeping together or physically having sex sleeping together. Like that's not always the dynamic. It's not always this orgy of of sex just because you have more than one partner. These are real deal relationships. A lot of poly is not based on sex is based on the relationships and again the historical aspects of it is women created polyamory as a way of having families and having a centerpiece in a man and normally that took place with a man who had resources enough resources to be able to take care of more than one household more than one woman more than one family so those are traditional polyamory so polyamory yes i'm into it i'm very curious about it would like to explore it but i have to have the right candidates to do that and so uh, again and if the the situation presents itself great and like, like i said before like and it doesn't have to be a situation where uh, everyone is having sex with one another. And I've seen polyamorous relationships, and trust me, um, it's straight-up relationships. And you're going to deal with, if you struggle dealing with one person in a relationship, you don't want to throw someone else in that mix. It can become very toxic very fast. So be careful what you ask for. A lot of guys just want to have sex with more than one woman. And so they don't look that being looked at as a cheater or whatever like that, they want to bring in another woman. But then they even F that up because then they start liking the other woman more than the other one, more than their main woman. Like, it's just a freaking mess. People are getting this shit wrong. As my last podcast, I played that young lady talking about submission, how she had it all messed up. People are just doing shit and getting it all effed up. So I just encourage people to do some, you know, some some research on it. Do some history on polyamory. There's plenty of cultures in the world that's still practicing polyamory. I would say a lot of people in the West are getting it. And westernized cultures are are not getting it correct. So if you want to do polyamory, I would say study some of the more Eastern cultures that still practice it. Uh, you know, some of the more Indian, Asian not even Asian, um, so more of the Arabic cultures. More of the Arabic Muslim cultures are still doing polyamory. Or you can study polyamory far as, um, you know, like what was taking place in like Utah with the Mormons. Um, some of some stuff is extreme, but you can get some basic tenets out of that. And, um, and understand how you should go forward and, and be successful within that dynamic. So that's just my, um, my thoughts on polyamory. Um, 
But what do you guys think? I would like to hear any comments that you guys will have uh, concerning that as well. And if you're in it, I would like to hear your your ups and downs and your do's and don'ts. Um, that would be great. And so the next question is toys slash novelties. What toys slash novelties have you used? What are your favorite and why? Which toys slash novelties are on your bucket list? So, mm. this one is, uh, it's going to be a long-winded one here, right? Uh, so, what toys slash novelties have, have I used? Probably too many to list. But, uh, you know, let's just go down the list of all the, the usual suspects. Um, cuffs, uh, wrist restraints, uh, ankle restraints, uh, the, the bar that, uh, that locks the ankles in and the wrist to it so that your partner is exposed and can't move. Uh, what else? Candle wax, of course, candles, um, ice, chains, uh, a whip a little bit, but more of the crop whip. What else? Uh, nipple clamps, uh, suction, nipple clamps. Uh, what else? I know I'm going to miss something along the lines here, but let me talk about what my favorite are. So right now, my favorite, my favorite is the twin floggers that I have, the black and red ones. I love it. And I love it because, uh, like I told you guys before, Jumper Rope has given me more rhythm with my floggers. So um, I'm just getting my routine down. And after going to that, um, after going to that dungeon in D.C. and watching people practice using flogging in front of me using different uh floggers different different whips different crops it just gave me more ideas and got me to see some people who have mastered it you know see how they get their rhythm see how they get their swag on into it so i love my floggers i love my crop because again i use my crop more so for teaching than i do for impact uh what else I love my cane, even though uh, others that I use it on don't like the cane as much. So I have the long, uh, thin one with the paracord wrapped around it. So I love that one. It's green. It's very long. And, uh, you know, you can strike from a distance. And it also has a little uh, tail cord to it. So when you strike, if, if, if that tip is close to somebody, that little... That little end on it can whip around and and and, and tap like get a little stinging on top of the on top of that and also too the canes don't have to be used like striking hard, you can use it to press upon someone's body, you know you can take it and um, not like you're striking them but placing it on them, and they might think oh God here comes you know I'm gonna get struck and then they feel oh. You know, and you just press, put some weight on it. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, 
I like uh, collars, of course. Collars are cool because if you want them to crawl on the ground and follow you, you can do that. I found many, uh, many a woman would like that. Um, if they trust you enough, they, they like that kind of play. Um, I've met some women that say, hell no, I would never put a, a collar around my neck and walk around like an animal. And that's cool too. So it's all about, you know, what, uh, works for you specifically, but those are my favorite right there. And what else? Oh, I love my feather. So I have, I don't, it's not a, I don't know what to call it, but it's like, it's a feather. Basically, it's a, a few feathers put together with a handle. And so I like that because it gives you a different effect. I also like just regular stuff like a, a comb that gives you different kind of sensations. I also like a fork. Yes, a fork, which I use to drag across the skin. Uh, I love the pinwheels. I have a one-head pinwheel, a five-head pinwheel, and I have a mini seven-head pinwheel, which is not as aggressive as the regular pinwheels, but it does give a nice little kind of sensation. Like, I, I wash the face, and it's like, ah, ooh. But the pinwheel's like, ooh, ooh. You know, so I love it. And and those things like the pinwheels and the fork and the feather, it allows you to mix up different sensations. So sometimes you want that raking feeling. You want that that pin needle feeling with the you know, with the pinwheel, and then you can bring it back with the with the with the basically like a duster almost you know, with the feathers on it and then you bring that to their body and make their body um, have different sensations. So I love that kind of stuff for edge play. Edge play is my thing. Love edge play. I love, as I told you before, I love using chains and I love using chains. I love using chains in the summertime because I put them in the freezer and then I'll use them. And then I like using chains in the summertime, in the winter time because I heat them up in the winter. And the thing I like about chains, you can get them in different sizes. So every now and again, I'll pull my short, heavy one out. Let them feel the weight of the chain around their neck with a lock on it. A big lock. So they feel that weight. It's like, you know, bondage for real. Like they feel that weight on them. Especially when you have a blindfold, you put that weight on them and it's cold. In the summertime, it's like, oh my God. Especially if you have them. You know, uh, so I'll have a restraint to my wall. And, and oh, how can I forget my my cross? I love my St. Andrew's cross. is awesome sauce. And actually, I need to get my cross back out. Um, I put it up for a little bit, but I need to bring the cross back out. I love my cross. And in particular, I love it because it's movable, like it's collapsible. So I can take it on the road with me. Now, it is a little big and cumbersome in some ways but if i have someone help me it's really easy to move now i have modified a little bit put wheels on the side of it not the actual cross piece but the base piece because the base piece is is really thick and heavy 
uh, of course, so it can support weight, right? You don't want someone tilting forward and falling and the whole thing falling on them or falling back. So it's very sturdy. It's very stable, but it's because of that base. So I had put wheels on the base so I can move it. I can turn it to the side and um, really just move it. So that's really cool. But again, if I was really taking it from one location to the next, then I would need someone to, you know, help me, you know, take it out because it would make it easier. But so I love the cross and the cross is awesome because you get to have a person exposed in that in that um, X kind of stature of their body with their arms all the way out to the side on, on a diagonal upward angle and their legs in that outward downward angle, you know, so it's a complete um, X of the person's body and it's all exposed and you can just do whatever you want just about and it's good to see the reaction it's good to hear um, if I'm using chains on it or if I'm using cuffs on it it's like I love hearing the sound of the person's body hitting the wood or them moving and pulling the wood like you hear that wood sound as they move it's a complete turn on especially when you turn um some music on real low has some candles burning i just love it and i also love using scents when it comes to uh when it comes to play as well so i like peppermint i like lemongrass and i have different scent for different moods so i love scents too and a lot of uh when we talk about um, sex novelties and things of that nature, we really don't talk about scents a lot. You know, what different scents can do for the mind and the body. You know, of course, peppermint is a refreshing feel. So you have just different ones. You have like, you know, you have citrus smells. You know, you'll have um, sage, which is more of that um, strong, pugnant kind of scent sage is, but, you know, sage is great um, as for clearing energy. And it's really good during sessions, frankincense. You know, that gives you that, if, you, if you've been a Catholic, if you've been to a Catholic church, it kind of gives you that kind of remnants of, you know, purifying um, some the purification of something and it's chalky smoke or the rocks that you use with a charcoal a piece of charcoal that you burn and that really gets smoky and chalky so you got to be careful with that but if you use it in if you use the oil in the diffuser it is really cool it's not as um it doesn't have the same effect as if you're using the charcoal with the with the frankincense rocks it just doesn't give you the same oomph using um, frankincense and myrrh combined. But uh, that's good for clearing energy. It's good to set a mood. And, uh, and how about a mirror? How about a mirror is one of my, one of my best um, objects too. To stand, uh, to stand the submissive in front of the mirror and have her recite why she's here, who's uh, her sir, who's in charge, who's the boss, you know. And I always like to uh, tell subs to 
have like a script that you say. It could be a couple of sentences, it could be a paragraph, whatever the case may be. But you want to have something that that you constantly say to yourself that push you in that mindset, that submissive mindset, and not wait for to like hit this sub zone that everybody likes to, you know likes to talk about. You can get yourself there. You know, so I like standing in front of the mirror and having them recite that. That helps get them in the mood, you know, because, yes, I'm, I can stand in the mirror with them. But when you make them say it and look at themselves, it's amazing how they zone out. It's amazing how they zone out. Once they get over the nervousness and, you know, sometimes they can smile or laugh a little bit, giggle a little bit. But once they get over that nervous energy and really get into it, you get a whole nother person sometimes. You get a whole other person sometimes. It's really nice. What else do we have here? Uh, the next question. Oh, so wait a minute. So let me let me finish up here. Which toys slash novelties are on your bucket list? So on my bucket list is to get the kit that you can do um, play with fire. You know, you get the high concentrated alcohol and you wet the pads of the stick. I call it a stick. I don't really know what the correct name for this is, but I'll find out and let you guys know. But it's almost like a huge Q-tip, let's say, right? And uh, you, you douse it with alcohol and you light it. And then you use it to like go over the body. You can use rhythm. You can, you know, move it back and forth. Now, what I learned at that dungeon was of course, people have body hair. And when you're using this, when you're using um, fire, of course, you're burning hair. So you can get a burning hair scent sometimes. So what I learned at this dungeon was this one uh, guy mixed uh, peppermint essential oil in with the alcohol. So when he goes to use, so when he lights it, you can smell the peppermint. So you really don't smell the, the burning hair. You smell the peppermint. And the peppermint scent stays on the body as well. And it's not over-aggressive. Because again, it's highly, it's highly concentrated alcohol. We're talking about 100%. So it burns. And when it burns, it evaporates. So like even if it got on your skin, it's not actually going to harm your skin. The worst it can do is burn your hair. And not even burn it like, you know, like, singe it like if you just put a straight flame to it right so i would say fire is one and i would like to make another contraption i like the contraption that uh it looks like a triangle but the person sits on it sort of remind you like a triangle but a saddle and it's not meant for comfort either you know sit someone on that so i would like that and i've been Thinking about either cutting a hole in the chair and putting like the wand in it and do something like that. What my aspiration is, is to one day really be able to have my own dedicated room just for play. You know, to have all my stuff in that room laid out. And, you know, now I have to go over here, go over there, pull stuff out. I want a room when I walk in, it's already laid out. Have my little contraptions and all that. You know, have my cross in there. 
I have a lot of fun. You know, I like it when I don't have to go looking for things and things can already be laid out. And that's one of the things I like I like about doing a session because uh, when it's not spont- spontaneous, I can prepare and have the things that I want out. And I can have, like I told you guys before, I gotta, I have to switch it up. I don't like using the same thing all the time. So I like to mix things up. I like to mix the things that I use up. So having a room would just really work great for me. It really would. It would be a lot of damn fun. So that would be uh, what I'm looking forward to and on my bucket list of things to get and to do. Here's the last question to me. Been in this lifestyle for going on four years with my current hubby and been married for over six years. Now there's other communities of people like-minded with the same desires out there. How has your platform brought people together? And what would you say is your best marketing strategy when it comes to your pages and website? Would love to hear this one. So congratulations on being married for six years, first and foremost. And what a find you have when you find that you and your partner have this lifestyle in common and being able to be into it. So you're almost like 24-7 in it unless you have maybe some kids around so you can't really get into it then. But um, that's really nice. And so uh, congratulations to you. And as for many communities, yes, there's many, many BDSM community platforms and live communities people can find on FetLife. And there's different platforms out here of people who are serious and have munches and things of that nature. My platform is more is more on Facebook, which I started it as a way of just sharing my writings. My first submissive encouraged me to do that. And I did. And um, I, I got up to about 1,600 followers. And I was just writing poetry and erotic thoughts and erotic stories. And uh, about a year or so later, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey came out. And then it was this explosion of BDSM. And uh, I went from like 1,600 followers to like 10,000 followers in like a month. So it was like, boom, an explosion. It was a lot of attention. And uh, I had others with me on the page. And one of the things that I've learned was with that explosion, you had a bunch of newbies in it, male and female. And then you had a lot of uh, bad actors in the game. So you had people in, out there that just want to abuse someone. You know, looking for someone that's like, oh, I want to be a submissive. I'll do anything for you. And they're like, okay. And they'll take them and abuse them. And I've, I've had many a story told to me through the page. I've met several people who understood what was going on. And I had no clue about that and, and for a while. And then when I found out, and then when I see how people were coming to the page and addressing women, 
it became just a passion of mine to learn more about the lifestyle myself and share that, share those experiences as well as just coach common sense relating tactics on strategies with people. And that has been what my platform has been and it's been working well. I've, you know, gained some really great friendships. Again, um, as I told you guys before, I created King Space with two people I met on the page. We brought our talents to the table and made it happen. And, you know, it didn't go the way we wanted it to go, but it's through my platform that I met these awesome people, you know, really awesome alpha female and another guy uh, who's just interested in the lifestyle, but he doesn't really practice it, but he loves it. He appreciates it and he contributed to it. Also, I, I can't name all the people that have helped my page and helped me grow, not only just by posting and keeping the content going, but, you know, actually educating me about what's going on. So my friend Valkyrie, uh, Michelle, my friend Mark, my friend James that comes to the page. These people have been awesome. Uh, my friend SJ, these people have been awesome. And, you know, to grow in the lifestyle with these people being sort of my backbone, being sort of my um, foundation is really wonderful because they're healthy people and they speak with um, rational minds and, and, and just hearts. And uh, the men, ah, oh, how can I forget my man, Mr. Wolf? Let me, I would be remiss. If I did not mention Mr. David Wolf, a man amongst men, and Mark, and James, and we were all in a group. I tried a group thing too, which doesn't work well for me because you find yourself babying people. You know, people have a way of being disgruntled about this, about that, and they're, and they're the ones that really bring nothing to the table other than their presence and talking shit. Like, I get it if people are actually adding content, adding questions or conversation to what we have going on. But some people just come in just to criticize other people's thoughts, other people's energy as far as them actually having the nerve to post something about themselves. So I didn't really like the group thing doesn't work for me. I like I like being in a group and if I'm when I'm in a group, I like to post here and there. I like to play the background mostly. I do comment, but as far as posting, I don't try to post my own stuff in the group because I don't want to make it seem like I'm like a narcissist, like, oh, check my stuff out. My stuff is this. So I just normally just comment on people's stuff in groups. Every now and again, I pose a question. From time to time, I will share a podcast if it had, especially if it has a guest on it, I feel like people should um hear especially like michelle fegatafi like she's awesome can't forget her either like she's a very awesome woman puts a lot of her stuff in writing has books has a website has a great platform very open about her journey with her padrino uh over there she's just really awesome and very knowledgeable so it's great to talk to people like her 
you know, I've recently, I mean recently, I think about the past year or so, I met uh, Dr. Brisby on Instagram, and she's awesome. She teaches a lot as well. She has many books written on erotica and also just about the lifestyle. And she does like an A to Z um, podcast on BDSM. And so she goes through every letter and brings a word from of that letter and discusses it. And it's really great. I had an opportunity to be on there as well. And I am still growing. And I throw stuff up against the wall to see what sticks and what sticks stays and what doesn't goes away. And that's the part of the process of this. I never thought that I would be where I am now. I never thought that I would have a platform discussing this lifestyle in this way and people coming to me for advice or answers. And I'm just one of those people, if I don't know, I'm sure I know someone that does. So I will find the information for you. And I just believe that, you know, that's just my contributions to the lifestyle. I've dealt with a lot uh, when it comes to the page. And it's hard to really say and put visually what you really want online because of the restrictions that uh, Facebook, Instagram, and other platforms pose. So I just deal with the changes. Sometimes I get suspended. I used to get suspended a lot. I've, I'm up to like my seventh profile on Facebook. It's like ridiculous. And I just learned how to draw with color within the lines that they allotted. And I've tried to take what I do to other platforms so we can have more raw conversation, so we can have more raw content. But it's just hard to get people off of Facebook and Instagram. Those are just the 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 more popular platforms and easily accessible, easy to work. And my website, uh, the Kingspace site, did not have a app to it. So that kind of hurt if you had a iPhone. Now, the we did have an app for Androids, but it really hurt if you didn't have an Android. So if you had an iPhone or other, you didn't have an app. So that we suffered in that way. And you, you make mistakes and you learn from them. But, uh, I mean, this is my experience. And I've, I've met several people in person which has been a, a it's been a pleasure all my experiences have been have been great you know and it's not like let's meet have a session like just meeting to like have coffee to sit down and talk you know and i and i've and i've definitely have met hundreds of people through the years uh hundreds of people and but i mean a good 30 to 40 people really stick out, you know, of, you know, just the connections that we had, the conversations we had, you know, me being educated and me educating others and us collectively just working through some things. So what tomorrow will bring, I don't know. Um, I've added the YouTube channel to have these kind of discussions. I would like to bring on more guests. Um, it's just tough to get people in the same place right now it's hard to get some people to want to talk about the lifestyle openly a lot of people are shy 
they're they're scared, they're reluctant to put even their voice out there, you know, let alone their face. So this is where I am, and I'm sure I've missed a name or two. I'm sure I've forgotten a thing or two as far as my experience, but this is this is it. So I'm I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram strongly, and I will be opening up a Patreon because I'm shutting down the Kingspace site and a certain site. What what I've learned is instead of paying to have my site hosted, the certain site hosted, I could transfer everything over to Patreon. And it's still that doesn't really look the same, but it functions the same. And actually you might get more out of uh Probably get more. I would get more out of Patreon because everything's already set up for me as this plug and play. Uh, I have, you know, I have apparel. I have makeup. So, what else has come out of this? I've, I've, I have an, an apparel line. Uh, this is right now. It's just T-shirts, hats, cigars, coffee mug, changing coffee mugs, which is really cool. One of my better, one of my better products, and. Uh, and the dirty writing makeup line. So, at which I need to do uh, more advertising. I need to do something with the dirty writing makeup line. We kind of were, I had other people working with me with this, and then the pandemic hit, and then things changed, and, and you know, and everybody's off to their own, uh, on their own, on their own ventures, you know, making their life happen. So that kind of, it kind of fell to the back, but it's still there. It's still valid, and it's still valuable to me. So, uh, going forward, yes, I'm, I'm going to scale some things back a little bit, but I plan to post more on YouTube. I, I plan to uh, try to get something done with this dirty writing makeup and uh, have more guests on so I can help other people who are new to the lifestyle and also gain more experience myself. Because like they said, there is no wise man without experience. And so I'm seeking more of that. So what do you guys think? Uh, leave your comments below. And if you're watching this on Facebook, uh, I want to thank you for uh, always being there for me and supporting my page in whatever way you have, whether you've Come to my page to um, just look, whether you come to my page to engage and whether you come to my page and actually, you know, been, been a voyeur, been a participant, uh, you know, actually been someone who sent me content or actually put content up or and as well as someone who's patronized the page, you know, patronized my products and things of that nature and just all those who just encourage me to keep this thing going so there are days where you don't lose hope but you just feel like man man uh, what am i doing here is it worth it is is it viable are people feeling it and when you start to feel like you want to pull away someone always comes along and relights your flame or helps put a little wood on your fire that's low they'll throw a log on 
and help that fire burn brighter again. So um, this is where we are. This is where I am to say uh, with Sir Inc. the experience. And uh, I look forward to many more uh, days, months, and years out here um, trying to be an example and a guiding light in a uh, dark, twisted fantasy world. So let me know what you guys think. Again, thank you all that's listening. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Like and subscribe, please. Uh, let's get that popping. And again, I will have a Patreon. I'll start posting links up uh, soon on the page, on the Facebook page, and on Instagram. Do the story. And until next time, peace.